Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Beyond Aromatics podcast. It's been a while since our last recording went out, and well, a lot has happened since we last got together. With the current state of the world, it seems like everyone is sitting on the edge of their seat waiting for what happens next. Unprecedented times means it's hard to look to one person for the answers on how to cope, adapt, and how to plan for the future, because the truth is, no one knows what's going to happen next. So, when we don't know what's happening next, the best thing we can do for ourselves and our community is to ask, what can we do right now? When many of Naha's regional directors and board members asked themselves this question, the answers varied wildly, but often came to the same conclusion. We decided to sit down with those directors and figure out how they are coping or changing up their normal aromatherapy and business routines to meet the needs of the world and even their smaller communities. Join us for these next couple weeks as we visit our friends all over the country. We speak with aromatherapy educators, retailers, spa owners, manufacturers, custom blend specialists, practitioners of all kinds, and more to get their take on the hardships and changes and learn how they are forging ahead anyways. These interviews are led by Naha's director coordinator, Sharon Falsetto, who herself has a unique perspective, which we will dive into later in these episodes. Okay, enjoy the show! talking to Rose, who also serves on the Naha Executive Board as Secretary, and she's based in Maryland on the Northeast Coast. Rose discusses her feelings about how she is coping with COVID-19, how it may affect her future massage business, and how we may move forward from this and come out of it all. We're also talking to Anna, who has recently moved from Florida to Nevada, where she has maintained her Naha directorship there. She discusses her preference for aromatic plants versus essential oils and talks about a time of working in an animal, discusses um, a little donkey called Don Coyote. We look forward to learning more about that. Up first this week is our Naha Regional Director from Nevada, Anna Peju. Anna is certified in both animal and human aromatherapy. She has spent the last several years working with farm animals at a rescue farm, but due to a recent move, she is in the process of re-establishing her business. With a pause in being able to do this, she has taken up wildlife photography and is currently learning how to use Photoshop. To learn more about Anna, you can find her on both Facebook and Instagram at AnnaPejuCA. That's A-N-N-A-P-A-G-E-A-U-C-A. Anna, first of all, I'd just like to say welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Um, For those that don't know you, Anna, can you um, tell us a little bit um, about where you're located, which state, and um, what your regular business is? And just relocated a couple months ago to northern Nevada. So, and I am the director for Nevada, but don't deal with Las Vegas anything with my business just because it is so far away. So, I am up in northern Nevada. And my business actually, because I just relocated and then the pandemic hit, 
is in transition. I was doing a lot of animal aromatherapy, working with a rescue farm when I was in North Florida. And now that I have moved to Nevada, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen. I had just started reaching out to some different herbal companies and animal rescues in Northern Nevada. And then the state got shut down in mid-March. So that's where I'm at. So that's that's quite interesting um, that, you know, you're in a new place um, you haven't really got yourself established. Um, do you have any kind of support in the area? Did you move to that area for family or do you know anyone in the area at all? Yeah, we actually moved here because we have family. I was born and raised here, but as an adult, I've lived in various other states. So, um, and my husband, actually, his sister is here as well. So he retired from the military, which was why we were in Florida. And now that he's retired from the military, we wanted to be close to extended family. So we moved back to the Northern Nevada area. So you're not, you're not completely um, isolated, so that you've got some kind of support. And and what kind of situation is it with you and where you are with COVID-19? Are you completely shut down? Um, are you in like on a stay-at-home order? Yes, the state of Nevada did go in, into a um, complete stay at home. Um, they shut down all of the casinos, which in the state of Nevada is very interesting to have every casino completely shut down. They did that on March 16th, I believe it was. And um, at the time, our school district was on a two week spring break and the kids weren't supposed to go back to school until like, I think it was the 27th of April. Um, and we actually, cause I do have a, a seven year old son He's in first grade. And um, we actually just got word, I believe it was on um, Tuesday, that they have decided to keep the schools closed throughout the rest of the year. And at this time, they aren't really giving us any direction as to when they're going to allow Nevada businesses to open back up. Right. So you you have a young son at home. So are you having to kind of... you know, do schoolwork with him now? I mean, how, how is that affecting you? <laughs> yes, uh, because he is in first grade, we are having to do schoolwork with him at home. Um, luckily, we currently were living with my parents because we were in the process of looking for property to purchase. So right. that's kind of now put on hold as well. So we do have four adults helping us kind of keep him on track with schoolwork and doing PE type activities and things like that. So we're all, all at home doing it together. Good. So it's good that you have the, the extra support there. Do, do you have um, kind of any, any opportunities to get outside into nature? Because I know um, from the little bit I know about you that you, you really like gardening. And um, so I'm wondering if that's kind of helping keeping you grounded when you say so you've got four adults in the house and a little one. So you just need to get your own space sometimes. Yeah, we we are blessed that my parents do own, um, it's a decent sized house. So we all have our own little spaces we can go to. And then they also have an acre of property along with that. So we actually have very large gardens. And I'm planning on sharing on Facebook some pictures because we decided to do some upcycling or 
reuse cycling of some branches that my dad had cut down last year and built a bunch of fences around the gardens with all of the stuff that we just have available here at home. So doing a lot of gardening. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that sounds great. Um, and for listeners that don't know, Anna also writes for the Not Heart Journal um, with, about herbal um, um, products and, and things like that. Um, so hopefully we might hear some more from Anna about this um, project, maybe when it gets gets going through that. Um, so you kind of, when things reopen, we, we I mean, obviously, See, we're all up in the air. We don't know when or that would be and how it's going to be. Um, do, do you think it'll change anything about the way you are planning to do business? Or do you think um, you'll try to just continue to do what you are going to do uh, as long as we can go ahead and do things like that? You know, I do think that there's going to be things that are different um, just because I don't know how it's going to affect a lot of the smaller businesses like herb shops and different things like that, that were in the area. I do think I'll still have the opportunity to at least maybe volunteer with some of the local animal rescues and continue the work like I was doing um, when I was down in Florida. Um, But as for exactly how we're going to operate as a, a potential up and coming aromatherapy type business, I'm not sure how that's going to look because I do think the landscape is going to be very different. I do think that unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of small businesses that are going to be shut down because of how long we're ending up staying shut down here in Nevada. I I agree. Yeah, it's an unfortunate. I mean, what size of um, town is it that you live in? What um, well, there's a couple of different cities that are combined. There's the the Reno Sparks. Um, we're also close to Lake Tahoe. So oh, combined, beautiful. I think there's about 800,000 people in kind of that general region of area. Right. So it's not huge, but it's also not small. <laughs> so is it kind of more rural or are people kind of close together or... It's a mixture of both. Uh, there's there's definitely like a downtown area, and there there was previously there was farmers markets that happened during the summer, which that season's getting ready to start here yeah. in a couple months. And you know, I just don't know how that's going to look once we can reopen because so many of the small businesses are so reliant on. A daily customer base and they don't have that and haven't had that for almost a month and a half now. Yeah, it, it's going to change the way we do things. I mean, I'm what I found here um, with small farms and businesses, they still, some of them are actually, you know, arranging pickup. You can go and, and mm-hmm. pick up things with the no contact. Um, and I'm more inclined to kind of support um, local businesses if we can throughout this um, because they're the ones that are, are hurting the hardest and yeah. you, you mentioned um, about helping with animal sanctuaries um, do you have any idea how they've been impacted by this? I do know that because so many of them are um, th- I know there's a couple around here that are very reliant on having like the the schools arrange field trips and stuff like that. And then they get money from, you know, the field trips going there. 
And so I do know that they're hurting financially just because they can't be open for those types of things. And they are asking for donations, especially donations of, um, there's one that's like a cat animal rescue, which is the large cats, like tigers and lynxes and stuff like that. (laughs) And so they're like, anybody that can donate meat or help us get access to meat for the cats, that would be helpful. So they are definitely seeking that type of stuff. But because they can't have people come out and look at them, people don't realize. I think that's one thing with, especially because when I was working at the, the animal rescue, it was farm animals. And people don't realize that there's even a need for a farm animal rescue. Yeah. So a lot of those types of businesses end up get are ending up getting hurt in this situation. Yeah. So you, you just mentioned there about farm animals um, at the animal rescue where you worked in Florida. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you did there? Because I'm, I'm kind of interested how you use yeah, aromatherapy and what types of animals you encountered there. Yeah, it was it was really unique that I ended up happening to fall into being able to work there. I They ended up just, it, it's a place that was close to where we lived and we just happened upon an ad in the newspaper and then we started going there and I hit it off with the owner um, and started volunteering there on a pretty regular basis. And when I got my human certification, <laughs> I was doing a lot of work there, teaching classes, helping her with different human activities. Yeah. And everybody would always ask me, you know, can we use this with animals and what is our opportunities and stuff like that. So I ended up signing up for Kelly's course and yeah. did the animal certification through Kelly's course. And because she does teach on all ranges of animals, it just worked out really well that I was able to work with both the farm animals and domestic you know, cats, dogs, stuff like that. So at the farm, Mm -hmm. we ended up having a lot of rabbits, worked with goats, there was a donkey. And he was, he was my first case study that I ended up having when I was working, when I was going through my education, obviously, we all have to make sure that we're doing case studies and stuff. So his name was Don Quixote, and he became my first (laughs) case study. (laughs) Oh, cute name so, for donkey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so he was neglected by his owner. So we, um, when I was working with him, I ended up doing different things that were help, helping him emotionally become more accepting of having people because, because of them being a rescue, they did have a lot of visitors and he was always kind of standoffish, didn't want people touching him and stuff. So we worked with getting him more adjusted to having human contact. And that's where we use different essential oils as scent and stuff to get him more comfortable. And then there was other botanicals that I used because he did have some leg issues um, just because he did not get proper maintenance on his hooves and stuff. So he had had a lot of leg issues. So there was a lot of different botanicals that we worked with to adjust his legs and get them more comfortable. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So, so what kind of um, oils and botanicals would, do you use with donkeys <laughs> to help them with that? <laughs> Let's see. What did we use? We, I did use. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember now. 
I'm sorry to put you on the spot. I just, <laughs> I was just kind of interested. Um, there was, uh, what did I, I, there was a combination oil blend that where I used infused St. John's wort. So, and stay tuned because we're going to be talking about that in the summer, summer journal. Um, right. To create a pain blend because his legs were having so many issues. So I used that as well as, um, I think I put helichrysum. I'd have to pull out my notes as yeah, to what all was in it. That's but okay. I think I put some helichrysum essential oil in there and stuff just to help with the pain and nerve damage that he had in his legs. And then um, you, I think I used some lavender and some citrus oils for f- scent um, to right. help him with that. And then, um, and then I do remember that we had a goat that she had digestive issues that we worked with and I used ginger to kind of help her and work with her appetite and stuff. So, so those would be very you, specific things I can remember. <laughs> I'm just going to come back to the, the goat in a minute, but <laughs> so okay. for the donkey, Don Quixote. Um, yeah, yeah. Did, when you mentioned St. John's word infused oil, did you kind of rub that on him? Mm-hmm. Uh, I did on his um, own legs. Yeah, I had. Um, you know, obviously, when you're working with animals or working with anybody, you always have to get permission. So I had permission from the the owner to definitely do different. Through Kelly's course, we learn mm-hmm. acupressure techniques. So there was acupressure points that I would work with on his legs and within his shoulders and stuff to kind of help with all his pain points. And we, I would use the um, oil blend to help on those acupressure points. Oh, that sounds great. I bet you really appreciated your, your help. <laughs> he did. Better. We always used to joke. Yeah. We always used to joke that he was my boyfriend because he responded <laughs> to my voice and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, donkeys are funny. So um, the goat you mentioned with appetite yeah. issues, what, what was his or her name? Her name was Alice, and we honestly don't know what happened. She was uh, found wandering the streets, and when she was taken to a feed store, and the feed store contacted all the local farms around the area, and nobody claimed her as being theirs, so she ended up at the rescue, and when she got there, she was really skinny. And so they worked on trying to just get some weight on her and stuff like that. But she always just had a lot of issues and we could never figure out. The vet came out several times, did a lot of tests and stuff like that, and just couldn't figure out what was going on. So we used um, some ginger as an inhalation. I would put it on a cloth and let her inhale it before we would feed her and stuff. And that helped her be able to eat and kind of handle digesting all her food better so that's that's wonderful I, I'm le- loving listening to these stories <laughs> about the animals <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, yeah it, it just gives us an insight into um you know animals a- across the U.S. who might be suffering at the moment yeah. as well um these kind of things that yeah. you can't go in and help them with um, uh, as well, because I'm sure they're feeling some anxiety as well, um, picking that up from their, yeah. their carers as well um, from, from doing mm-hmm. that. Um, and talking of anxiety and, and, and stuff, um, do, do you find you are using aromatherapy more to help you through this? Are, are, are you, are you um, 
do you feel pretty well supported or are there things that you're doing with aromatherapy that you need help with at the moment? Well, I think because of all of the work that I did with the animals and stuff, I definitely have turned more towards herbal remedies and stuff mm-hmm. rather than using the aromatherapy in the sense of essential oils. Mm-hmm. I do use a lot of the aromatic herbs with herbal teas and different things like that. And I, I am drinking a lot of different herbal teas during the day and stuff like that to help keep myself balanced and calm and, you know, yeah. things like that. So I also just don't being, have, um, oh, go ahead. <laughs> No, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. (laughs) I was just going to say, because we just moved, I had really tried to work my way through a lot of my supply of stuff. And so when we moved, I didn't have a lot. So now I, and I haven't taken the time to build my supply back up. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm just doing that, just um, harvesting some chamomile out from the, the garden, which is um for teas and stuff and that's a great one for calming um drinking chamomile tea and what else have i got um oh i've got lemon balm and the mints and yeah that's that's basically what i have but yeah i find that you know picking it and and drinking it from the fresh herbs is um nicer it tastes nicer and i i believe it probably holds the properties better than um, dried herbs as well Um, and if I don't know if you've ever dried herbs and then compared it to those that you um, buy online or in the store they still look different um, I guess because they've you know been harvested from so long ago Um, Mm -hmm. so so just kind of helping yourself with teas and that that sounds wonderful I want to sit and have a cup of tea now (laughs) and uh, is there anything else you you want to add or um, share with us about how how you're doing um, or any advice for listeners I um I guess the only thing that I could say is you know definitely make sure that you're supporting your animals I um have had some people questioning, you know, or some of the thought that I've had is our animals are dealing with us being at home now. And we also are going to need to start making sure that we're preparing our animals for the transition when we start leaving the house more. So, you know, we just need to think about that and be ready to support them because they are going to potentially deal with separation anxiety and stuff because we've all been at home with them and maybe taking them for more walks than we used to and things like that. So there's a lot of us animal aromatherapists throughout the country. So reach out to us and we can help you deal with maybe those separation anxiety issues that may come up once we go back to work, once once the country is allowed to kind of reopen all of our businesses and if we're not allowed to be at home with our animals anymore. Well, it, I'm at home with my dog all the time, Harry. Um, but, he, you know, he's been used to me going out to the grocery store, running errands. Um, and now, of course, I'm not going anywhere. And so he's on the other side of this door where we're doing this interview. And I'm sure he's got separation anxiety from just being on the other side of the door. He's, he's uh, getting pretty anxious because he's not, uh, over the past few weeks, he's, he's not been separated from me at all. So even though he was with me um, 
a lot of that time time before there was times I'd go out for a couple of hours and run errands and stuff and of course I'm not doing that now so yeah I think it's you know hard for all the animals um, everywhere as well so so I'd just like to thank you Anna for taking the time to talk with us and uh you know, share your thoughts. I really enjoyed listening to um, about Don Coyote <laughs> and uh, how you helped him. And I, I think it's amazing how we can use these tools, aromatherapy, to help us through times like this, not just for us, but for our animal friends as well. So thank you, Anna. Thank you. Next on today's episode, we will be hearing from Rose Shard. Rose is the owner of Your Body Needs. She is a licensed massage therapist, registered aromatherapist, and esthetician. Rose is currently serving on the board of directors for the National Association for Holistic Aromatherapy, as well as the Maryland Director for our members. Recently, Rose has been working to create 2,000 roll-on blends for her local hospital. On a non-aromatherapy-related note, Rose has now had some time to refine her love of cooking, something that she's always enjoyed. Well, I'd just like to take this opportunity to welcome Rose um, to speak to us today. And um, Rose is going to tell us a little bit um, about how things are are going with her with COVID-19 and affecting her business and everything else. So first of all, I just want to say welcome, Rose. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Sharon. And for listeners that don't, um, you're not familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about um, the area, which state you're in and what, you know, the main focus is of your business? Well, we're we're sort of a spa. You would label us a spa. Uh, We really focus on massage therapy and um, facials. Uh, so that is really our main revenue. Uh, our main revenue. Uh, our main revenue source of revenue. We also retail aromatherapy products. I do a lot of the um, the bottling and the formulas. We have a very uh, we. We, we sell essential oils, but we also sell face oils and a lot of skincare products that I formulate. Um, so it, it's kind of the business is interesting because it's service, but it's also retail oriented. Uh, so and that's and that's and that's our business. But um, it really does uh, primarily uh, depend on um, uh, people. Retail and and service people coming into a store, the brick and mortar store. So we are dependent on that. We do have an online uh, store, but that's not my main source of revenue. So we have been impacted uh, spectacularly uh, through all this. And and where which state are you in again? You're you're on the east coast. Yes, we are in Maryland. Yeah, my business is located in Annapolis, Maryland. Okay, so you're in quite um, um, a city kind of area. Um, yes. So you've had, yes, we are. Yeah, uh, Annapolis is Maryland, so we have uh, plenty of people living here, um, and it is it's it's very dense. Yes. 
So obviously you've had to um, shut up business, as it were, um, for people coming in. And how, how long has that been in effect for now? Since March the 16th, I believe. But before, I believe we shut down a week prior to the official mandates. Oh, wow. So you've been um, closed down now for um, over a month. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. How are you adjusting to that? How, is, are you taking more business online or are you just sitting, waiting it out? Or, or I mean, uh, have you made it, any decisions? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. We, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, at some point, the adjustment has to be, certainly for me, I think initially, we really were running around like chickens with their heads cut off, mm -hmm. trying to pivot and adjust and, and change to online, but, you know, to, you know, doing online um, uh, orders and what have you, but, and, and working on, well, what do we get, what do we do for social media and how do we still get people's attention and, and, and how do we help? How do we make things better by still maintaining some kind of revenue? And for the first few weeks, we were doing that. And I found myself consistently pivoting because as we were making changes according to the new mandates, then the mandates kept changing and exactly. kept changing. So I, I think about two weeks ago, I made a decision. And that decision was that I was going to stop reacting. And I can't. Mm -hmm change much i can't change what's going on the reality is we are losing revenue and we are losing uh, business but instead of focusing on trying every little bit of you know tr focusing all our energy on trying to get just that little bit more income coming in i decided to say you know what let me take this quiet time to think about the future of my business so all that time when I was busy and we were open, because we're open seven days a week, really I had very little time to prepare and to organise for the future. So that was my ultimate pivot, and that's what I'm doing right now. I'm spending a lot of time thinking about, well, what's, what's YBN going to look like, you know, in 2021 or 2022? What are the changes that I want to make for the future of my business? I have the time to do that now. So that's my focus. Yeah, I um I totally agree with that. I in the beginning I think we were all kind of re reacting um instead of being proactive we were reacting and to the immediate um like next week or you know next day. And yeah, that's kind of my thinking now is like where do I want to go? It's giving people that chance. Where do I want to go from here? Where what do I want to be doing this time next year? You know, I've been gifted this time. How can I use it um, you know, wisely and and you know, go forward with my business? Um has that affected how has it affected your employees at all? Um are you still retaining your employees uh, or is that an un yeah. unknown at this point? I guess, you know, that is an unknown. We are lucky enough to have a very strong uh, 
a, a very strong working staff. It's a very small family, but we do call ourselves a family. Um, you know, because they were employees, uh, really for them, they... Uh, they they were able to seek some financial um, benefit from this um, through the government, I guess. So um, I, I, I assume so. that's what I'm hearing. So that is a little bit of relief for me because at least I know that they're okay. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the ramifications of all this is because it's been, it, what, you've, it's been a month. You don't know how people's perceptions have changed you don't know uh everybody's perceptions and needs are completely different right now everybody yeah. so some people yeah. are anxious to go back to work some people are anxious to go back to work so every everybody has a different take on this and quite honestly i'm not really sure what that is going to look like when the doors do open up. You know, I don't know yeah. what challenges I'm going to face. I don't know what challenges I'm going to face in terms of um, employees, and I don't know what challenges I'm going to face in terms of clients. Because one thing that I have learned throughout all of this is that people are very surprising. People will surprise you. Um, and I, I'm just going to... Uh, do what I do best and just not react <laughs> immediately yes. and uh, just do what comes my way. And then when I have all that information, I can make decisions. <laughs> I yeah. hope that answers yeah, the question. I think we're all in kind of the same boat. Yes, yes, I, I totally understand. It's so hard to make decisions when you haven't got all of the information. And wow. like you say, uh, you know, I've been surprised um, by people's reactions, both pleasantly and not pleasantly. People that I thought would react differently reacted another way, and it just surprises me. But also at the same time, you know, I've got that sense of community from some people that have stepped up um, to help out. I mean, how is it affecting you personally um, on, on a day-to-day -day thing? Because um, you're, you're like me, you're originally from uh, Australia, um, so you're kind of used to being away from a family like that. But um, what about your immediate family um, and, and, and friends? I mean, you're has that kind of changed your routine with having everyone at home? <laughs> well, at the very no, actually, I um, have been um, blessed because one thing that I've been okay with uh, owning a business really for me, and especially since we're open seven days a week, I'm always on. Uh, when I decided I couldn't really change things. I did give myself a break and say, you know what, this is the time for me to just enjoy the downtime. And I have, I think that's been very helpful. Um, I, I, spending time with family is um, a blessing for me. Um, but 
And of course, it's impacted my daughter. She's still going, uh, she's still in um, school. She goes, she's in university. So she's, you know, she's having to stay home with us as well. And that's been, that's that's a blessing. You know, we, we enjoy each other's company. But the yeah. one thing that was really interesting was um, when all this started, my mom, who is 80 years old, and she she lives in Australia. She was actually visiting us. She came at the very beginning of February. Now she's 80 and she had medical insurance. Uh, of course, you know, you need medical insurance. Um, but she was meant yeah. to be here until April. We made the very difficult decision as a family to, uh, you know, send her back. Um, she right. got scared, understandably. Her insurance, ironically enough, she spent, uh, I, it's so expensive. Travel is so expensive these days. For her yeah. to just come to the States, her medical insurance costs, I believe it was around $1,600, $1,600 just to be covered for medical insurance. And it might have been a bit higher than that. Well, guess what, Sharon? COVID-19 or any pandemic is not covered. (laughs) So she spends this, uh, you know, a lot of... Yeah. Yeah. If she got sick, she wouldn't have been covered. So we needed to make that decision, and that was devastating. It was devastating for her because then she goes back home and she is in quarantine by herself for two weeks and she had her 81st birthday alone. So it was devastating and we were just very, very sad. But we made the right decision because yeah. we, you know, what what if she had got sick, that would have been a very, very um, bad thing, I think. <laughs> you know, at yeah. least if she got sick yeah. at home, she would be well taken care of um, and she wouldn't have been worried about how she's going to, you know, pay for the medical bills. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a worry here. Yeah, I can empathize um, with spending the, the birthday alone. It was my 50th birthday last month. Mm-hmm. And yeah, my plans didn't involve staying home alone. <laughs> that's oh. pretty much what happened. And uh, so I'm many so other people in the same situation. Yeah. I know. Um, but you know, we're, we're here, we're healthy, and that's that's the main thing. Um, and I mean, with your mum being 80 as well, I mean, that's that's worry. My parents are both in their mid 70s in, in the UK as well, and both have health issues. And, and it is more of a worry when you're away from them, but at least you know they're they're going to get the help they need where, where they where they are. Um, Correct. So then, you know, being away from your own home base. Right. And and we still, we, we know that we made the right decision. We do. But we, we know we made the right decision because of the current climate, the, the way it is today and everything that's out there. For me, one thing I've learned about myself as a business owner is that um, I'm very deliberate in my planning and I've learned not to react instantly in situations that do not require an instant response. Um, 
And in a way, you asked me what my reaction was, that that was my reaction to COVID-19. Decisions initially were happening at such a rapid pace that I did not know what to think. But I have had time to think now. And what I did learn is that um, I don't listen to the television coverage anymore. I am quite disappointed in the media. I feel that they have uh, done a great job playing on people's vulnerabilities and their fear. And I maybe I am a little... um, Maybe I'm not mainstream thought here, but I do think a little bit of uh, skepticism is a healthy thing because I'm not afraid to to question the narrative that the media wants us to believe, and that is to be afraid. Um, And I struggle Uh with that. I do struggle with it. I do, um, especially given, you know, the things we gave up and with my mom and, and, and it was just such an, you know, we hope that we see her again. You know, we don't know. She's 81 years old. You know, it's not, we yeah. don't get to travel um, that often. And, um, you know, it was a very difficult decision and um, I felt sorry for my mom and there was a lot of fear there. And I, I know that it is, the fear is crippling. Yeah, I think I think people have that fear. I myself went through that and um, being immune compromised with uh, my own health issues. I have that fear about traveling now, um, just the thought of traveling anywhere um, outside my own community, um, because I don't know what I'm going to expose myself to. Um, how serious is it? Some states have um, suffered more than others. For example, I mean, New York, um, it's just been terrible. The news that has been coming out of there. We aren't that much affected um, here in Arizona, thankfully. But that being said, um, you know, the testing is not getting done. So who knows who's carrying it and um, who might potentially infect you uh, unknowingly. Um, So, yeah, getting over the fear is is hard at times, um, waking up at 3 a.m. in the morning (laughs) and everything. Um, But focus on the positives uh, as well. I think we're in... um, a profession, um, uh, a business that, you know, we, we've got some of tools that we can help us a little bit um, with this anxiety and fear, mm-hmm. in, um, essential oils and, and um, everything else that we, we have there. Um, and maybe um, we can focus on that a little bit more um, going forward as well to use these tools. Um, do you have any idea when your state is o- going to be trying to open up or has that not happened yet? Well, we, we don't have anything official just yet. Um, we're probably, my guess is mid-May. That's my guess. Um, I hope so. <laughs> I hope it's mid-May. Um, another thing that we've done, I, I know, I, well, what I mean by me hoping that is I, I, at some point, the 
the decisions that have been made, we do need to look at and say, well, what becomes more dangerous, right? So, you know, there are, we are suffering economically and that will become a problem if it's not addressed. And what it's it's just not realistic for us to stay indoors for several more months. It doesn't. It, it it's just not realistic. Um, and you know, if we can still protect uh, the the older demographic and the um, a, a, and those who are more vulnerable, we should. We absolutely should. Mm-hmm. Um, we should have from the beginning, but I'm wondering if we could have done things differently because I am concerned about, uh, you know, people that may not be able to feed their families, you know, or the stress from being unemployed yeah. uh, or suicide rates going up. I mean, you know, it, it's a tough situation. Exactly. It's a very situation and and it is concerning and we should be looking at all the factors like I said earlier people's perceptions and needs are completely different and we can't just keep saying the answer is you know social distancing because we need to be more thoughtful mm-hmm. yeah and we also yeah. need to think of the future yeah I like it's exactly it goes beyond the health inclusion implications like you say the economic impact is just so huge um (laughs) on people you know being able to survive not necessarily just live just to survive get the basics um we all need to survive and i i don't know what the answer is either um i mean i have all the same fears anxiety and and, you know and also the moments of positivity Activity um, as well of what we can can we learn from this uh, moving forward? Um, do you have any kind of final thoughts of on anything you want you want to mention? Um, Sharon, you know I especially feel for you know people in your situation where you are immune compromised and you have something to worry about, right? course you do and that's very frightening and this is one I'm very mad at um, you know television coverage because they're not helping us cope they are allowing the fear-mongering to continue and it is not right that's not the way we help each other we are supposed to help each other we're supposed to elevate each other and we're supposed to get through this together and instead what's happening is that there's that that increased sense of uh, fear and and and, uh, we become paralyzed by it and when when that happens we're not able to just circle the wagons and help right um it shouldn't be that way and um i think that's very disappointing and we need to start you know um really finding ways that we can you know, help each other in a positive way rather than, uh, you, you know, just isolating ourselves and thinking that that's the answer. Because I, I don't, I don't believe that it is. Um, yeah. No. <laughs> 
Um, have you any thoughts on what the answer might be? Or <laughs> seeing as you mentioned that. Um, I think we need to start being adults about this. And I think that it starts with, again, I keep saying this, <laughs> um, I think it starts with the media. We need to, we need to stop treating this like um, we like it's the big bad monster we need to you know there is you know we need to look at the data someone like me for example um I'm lucky enough uh not to be a high risk group so what can I do to help you know what can I do to possibly uh you know um help with probably bringing the immunity up. Maybe it is it is good for people that are, you know, very low risk to s- start going back out there to increase herd immunity, for example. Yeah. I don't know the answer, uh, but we need to start thinking about how we can, you know, we can continue to protect the more vulnerable while not damaging our economy. Um, yeah. uh, I, I, I think... I think that's probably my line of thinking. I'm not sure how mainstream that is, but <laughs> oh well, this, this isn't you know getting everybody's different thoughts. As we say, everybody um, is thinking yeah. differently about these things. And if you were to open up your um, business, I mean that's something you have to consider with your clients as well. Um, if they're coming to you for body treatment, you know how. How are people going to feel about that, um, you know, in the immediate future um, about being able to do that? And if if there's anything you can kind of accommodate them with, um, you know, to put them more ease with that um, and, and, you know, try and... um, you know, because what what you offer is probably one of the best things for helping with fear and anxiety right. uh, and stress. And uh, you know, we shouldn't be fearful about <laughs> going to do something like that that may help. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at the moment, right. that's that's kind of what. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. right. We have phone calls every day, even though people know we're not open. Um, we're getting a lot of support. We're getting people that are really, they're looking forward to receiving massage when when we're able. And you're, you're right. We have a gift and there is that uh, trust relationship between a client and a therapist. It's almost like a covenant, right? We trust that you're coming to me and you know that um, I trust that you are healthy and you're you you and as a client, you're trusting the therapist that they have good intentions and they are going to they're they're going to reveal if they're not well or if they've coughed or if they've been sick and what have you. So that trust relationship should be there from the very beginning. It's always the way we've conducted business anyway. Um, but it is going to be interesting yeah. to see how long it's going to take, you know, everybody to want massage. I don't know. I know for a fact that we will definitely have people straight out of the gate 
ready to receive. But I am curious to know exactly how impacting this is for our business long term. Um, in the, well, maybe not even long term. In the next few months, how long is it going to take to get back to a normal or the or what we're used to, the yeah. numbers we're used to? And I don't know the answer because I'm. I, well, I guess we just need to find out, Sharon. Would you receive? Yeah. Let's say they opened up. May 15th, would you receive massage? <laughs> put, me up, put me on the spot here. Um, it, as an immune compromised person, I would be hesitant um, from somebody I didn't know. Maybe as if I had that relationship already of trust with you, um, mm-hmm. I, I right. may consider it. Um, I, it. It's difficult to answer if I was um low risk I think I probably would do it um but as I'm considered more higher risk I think I would be hesitant to do it so soon um you know I'd I'd send everybody else in first (laughs) to try it out um and then (laughs) say that again I lost you it has to be so frightening right now um, yeah. for you. I, I, I really sympathize. I empathize. I, I, I'm just, it's very, it's very sad. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sad situation. And um, I'm just hoping that one day we can look back in the rearview mirror and, 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 um, and, and be able to, to leave it there. <laughs> um, it'll be yeah. interesting to see how it changes a lot of people are saying that you know well this is going to really change society forever some people are saying that I'm not so sure I'm not so sure I don't know I think that this is an event um and I think it's going to take us a few months to get back to what we were used to prior to this but I'm not an expert, but my prediction is that we will. I think we will look back in the review mirror and see it as an event. Um, interesting thing, I, I think it'd be interesting to see exactly what, what's been really fascinating is how so many businesses have been able to pivot and especially uh, technology, how that's changed with, you know, with oh, yeah. Zoom and all these online um, communications. I think that will be interesting. It'll be interesting to see exactly if, if, if that changes, that world changes, or the way we communicate or the way we um, work changes. Yeah. 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 So certainly with the technology, I think it's opened up um, doors for some people. And yeah, I think it may be used more um, going forward um, because so many people um, might find that they actually enjoy using it um, once we know how it, how it works. And, um, you know, it enables you to organize your life a little bit. Um, better maybe not spend so many hours in the office you can spend some at home as well as in the office when needed to it might Mm -hmm. change the way we work there which isn't a bad thing um so yeah just to reiterate the point you said um and to kind of end it on a positive note hopefully we can look back on this and as you say leave it in our rear view rear view mirror and um, go forward and, and, and learn from this.
So mm -hmm. thank you so much for spending the time um, talking with me today, Rose. It, it's been a very interesting discussion and I value your opinions and your time for doing this with us. Thank you so much, Sharon. You know I value yours and you and everything that you contribute to the aromatherapy industry and to Naha. And uh, thank you for also just giving me the opportunity to chat. Oh, you're welcome. It's been so lovely to chat with you. Okay. That's it for this episode. We hope you'll join us next week where we hear from two more of our Naha directors. The National Association for Holistic Aromatherapy is a member-based nonprofit organization devoted to the holistic integration and education of aromatherapy and do a wide range of complementary healthcare practices. To learn more about Naha, how to become a member, or about the Beyond Aromatics Conference, please visit our website at naha.org. You can also keep up with everything we do by following us on social media at Beyond Aromatics on Instagram or at Aromatherapy Community on Facebook. Subscribe to our mailing list, our podcast, and tell others about us to help our community grow. Until next time, I'm Savannah Rose, and this is the Beyond Aromatics Podcast. <laughs>